This is Jesse Hensley. This is Josh Turner. And this is Chris Bow. Welcome to Turn Down for What. Welcome back to Turn Down for What. It's the new year. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year's. Hello. So we have Jesse Hensley back and the wonderful Chris Bow and myself, Josh Turner. And uh, today we're kind of just going to. Uh, continue a dialogue that we've kind of began to touch on, but then just kind of discussing some uh, charging station variables about, you know, some recent testing that Chris was able to do. Um, but then uh, we were also uh, personally all dialoguing around uh, a few different variables with uh, charging stations and distances and EV sales. And I uh, figured we would uh, just kind of bring that conversation uh, to you, the listener. So, uh, kind of picking up where we were discussing um, before we uh, came online, but you know we were we were basically just kind of summarizing one. Uh, Chris, if you want to talk about the the sales numbers and kind of how that's reflective of the, uh... you forgot the first thing we were talking about. So somebody has a new toy. <laughs> I do and have a new toy. I oh, want yeah. we'll, everybody we'll start to go we'll look at what he made because I was like Josh scrolling through and I saw it and I was like. Well, that is fancy. I don't know who did that, but that is great. I've never seen it before. And then it turns out it was you. So what did you end up getting for Christmas? Yeah, a little gift to myself. Um, this um, this great group out here uh, with the Tesla Owners Club, East Bay, has a guy, uh, Tony Fom, and he does the quick bandit uh, front license plate holders, which are really awesome. In you know California, you're required to have a front license plate. The front end of a Tesla isn't really you know, designed well to have that. And you got to drill into the bumper. It's a real pain. Some people have done stickers. Well, he made this awesome attachment that literally clips on so you can hold your front license plate and then pull it off. So, you know, you could try to uh, get away with, uh, you know, telling the police, oh yeah, it's in my trunk right here. Sorry, I was just getting the car wash and took it off and pop it right on, maybe avoid a fix a ticket or if you just don't want to put holes in your Tesla. So that's what he did. He designs these things and he's also done, a bunch of signs and amazing creative work. And um, there's a shop near nearby um, called EV Mod. This guy, Larry, that owns a shop and does a lot of mods for EVs, especially the Teslas. And uh, and and so he Tony did a sign for him. And I'm like, man, I would love to have a logo. We were talking just now with Josh about, you know, what if we had like a turn down for a watt sign or something? Well, I wanted a sign for when I do the EV events that I do for the Ford, uh, for the Lightning Club. Um here in the bay area because a lot of people don't know about it and we got this logo now and hey if i'm at an event how do i display that and get people to kind of join the facebook group uh for the bay area lightning club and i said well i just hey i'd like to have a sign with the logo and so we're over at ev mod talking to, to tony and larry and bantering ideas and kind of telling what i was looking for and then we looked at the frunk space and you know they they make this thing called the what the frunk for the tesla that he's done a couple times so we just kind of start bantering ideas and Larry's like, man, you should make one for that, for that lightning. And I literally give him the lid, that removable lid off the sub frunk where the cooler is. He takes it, scans it, measures it, you know, designs it and takes the logo from the club. And we, you know, go ideas back and forth, adding speakers and all these different things. And so, yeah, it's got now with uh, this little frunk insert that goes right into the cooler space, has a couple speakers, an amplifier, um, LED controller that that works on Wi-Fi and um, and Bluetooth, and I can use it for when I'm in an event. I could play you know music. I could play our podcasts, and then the center logo is also uh, with four screws. It can be changed out. So 
if the Bay Area Lightning Club evolves into a Northern California EV club or a Model E club as T3 and other Ford, you know, products come online, I can maintain it and swap that branding out. So uh, really just cool, cool little toy that I wanted, you know, I've, I've been to these EV events before and, you know, you open up that big, vast, dark uh, space that is the Lightning Frunk. And man, I, I wanted something inside to make it pop and something fun and stand out. I, I think I think that did it. So I've had a lot of fun with it. Well, if you're listening or watching, go on to uh, Chris Bo's Facebook page. You can follow him on any of the platforms um, and look because it's a very fun, cool system. Um, I wanted one. I was I was scrolling through, like I said, I was just scrolling through and I looked and I was like, holy cow, that is so legit. And I looked, I was like, wait, it's Chris Bo. He did what? <laughs> and uh, the LED lighting is just cool. The speaker, it's a unique way to use that from Dead Space, which honestly, you know, I've never used. Um, it's just sitting there. And so having something like that, just a kind of a cool take on, you know, being able to, especially at those events, just to have a showpiece as a cool little um, option. Um, I, on yours, it looks like you just plugged it into the Pro Power right there that's right available, connected, correct? Yep, and that's that's one of the great things about the lightning is I can uh, literally just plug it right in there, um, and it's powered up. And the, it if the outlet cover is lifted, it'll tell you, hey, that's lifted. Do you want to power it? You know, yes or no. You can also just you know reach inside. There's that little button you can just press, and it powers the thing up. So it's yeah, it's really convenient. A lot of you know EVs don't have the power up front. So it's really convenient that it does. So I've got everything plugged into a, a power strip, and then the power strip, the single um cable straight to that that outlet in the front so it, it really worked out well and it's a heck of a lot of fun to have so um yeah i'm looking forward to the next events Statement. where i can kind of unveil it Statement piece that, that that's a really cool one and uh i'll have to yeah. figure out maybe get one with the uh turn down for one logo right there on the, the front and center. that's pretty right pretty darn cool um but yeah check check that on socials if you haven't seen it uh that's that's a really cool unique um use case for the I guess, is it the ice? I mean, like, it's like a, the cooler storage. Yeah. I don't know what you label that part of the frunk. Um, I think it's intended to be a cooler because uh, that's a little draining and stuff. But uh, I've, yeah. I've I've used it one time to store, like, uh, like jumper cables and stick them down there. But it's like, you know, that's that's about the best I've, I've done with it. Um, yeah, I had my mobile charger and my adapters in there and, uh, and a first aid kit. And I just moved them to the under seat storage of the of the rear seats. Um, so they're just sitting under there now. So does it take but, up the entire compartment or do you have some dead space underneath it? It pretty much does. I mean, there's, there's some dead space there, um, where I have like, for example, the power strip and that stuff, and there's still some air underneath it in dead space, but not enough to really put much under there. I mean, I could throw a couple adapters or something in there if I want, maybe the, you know, the coming Tesla, um, to, to, you know, the NAX to CCS adapter, I could pop in there with a little, you know, Velcro to hold it in place, not let it slip around. So there's some dead space, but you know, the other thing is it's, uh, it, it's designed well with this little cutout on the side. I can easily lift it and, and take it out anytime I needed to. Um, oh. so that's really convenient as well. And I've thought about maybe getting hooks and hanging it on the wall of my garage when I'm not using it or something and it plugs in so you can take it anywhere. It's a mobile yeah, it'll just be a little. It'll be a little frunk shaped, uh, right. wall mounted sub like uh, speaker system. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out, shout out, Tony for just an amazing design and and his creativity and just taking you know a, a very vague idea and running with it and 
a lot of lot of fun seeing it popped in there. Did it at a at a Tesla meetup actually was where it was unveiled um at a taco bell we had a taco bell meetup taco bell cantina out here it's a taco bell <laughs> with a full bar i swear to you full bar at the taco bell and uh so they're like the a bunch now of that seems meetup. dangerous that yeah. seems dangerous <laughs> yeah yeah so a taco was, uh, bell with a full bar it's like every time anybody goes to the bar they want to go to the taco bell afterwards but put the two together that's a lethal combo yeah, I don't know if that's a California thing, but we've got a couple of these like cantina, Taco Bell cantinas out here. So uh, drop us a note in the comments if you have them in your area. Jesse, was it it was uh was it downtown Nashville or was it uh, Ontario? Not Ontario, Toronto that had that uh Taco Bell with a bar. I think it was Nashville. I think Nashville, yeah. But they had a they had a Taco Bell, but it was like a walk-in Taco Bell in the middle of downtown, and they they had a display for some specialized alcoholic beverages uh, in downtown Nashville. But, and it's weird. I had a week of Taco Bell. So I had that, the event with, with Tesla and unveiling the, 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 what the frunk um, at a Taco Bell. And then the charging testing I was doing also at, at a, at a Taco Bell. So very strange week. Look uh, at you with another really excellent segue. I mean, you're just nailing the segue game recently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but segueing into the next uh, point that we were talking about was, uh, I called you the moment that you were doing it, but uh, you uh, yeah. you were able to go through um, and you're uh, partnered with a charging, a newer charging station company that's doing some infrastructure installation. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so they've um they've got three locations in the Bay Area. Um, one is right here in Newark, which is the city that I work in. Um, so that made it really convenient. They're really close by. Um, then they have one in South San Francisco, and um, they have one I believe they're making up in the North Bay across the Golden Gate Bridge there in Marin County. Uh, I believe it's going to be in Rohnert Park. So, um, yeah, that's where um they just kind of reached out to me one day, and you know we kind of just talked a little bit back and forth and. So I was like, yeah, I'm happy to help. Like, I love this stuff. I really don't need to charge um, DC fast charging. I I've almost never do, uh, but it's so close. And and frankly, it was fun to just be a part of testing something. And I knew they had the tritium chargers, which were um, the same chargers that you guys are, are looking at uh, out there in Tennessee. So <clears throat> kind of my first experience with, with that. Uh, so yeah, I was like, yeah, let me do it. And so I went down there um, and I also really liked just their their kind of concept of a business model where they're putting it next to, in this case, they have an agreement with Taco Bell. Um, and so I thought that was really smart because it, it's cer certainly in the parking lot, even though the agreement was with Taco Bell, there was a Starbucks right there, a Little Caesars right there, a Chinese restaurant right there. And I think those kind of amenities are are important and missing in some of the ones that you drive up to in the middle of a random Walmart somewhere, you know? Um, that's so one I of that I mean, we are not California here in Tennessee, and that's one of the biggest things that we've had issue with is like you know me and Jesse take a road trip to Nashville um, for the meetings that we've been having, and we would get to a charging stop, which is a Sam's Club parking lot, at you know seven a.m. Uh, because we're traveling early, and Sam's Club's closed, and yeah. the nearest by amenity is half a mile to a gas station. And if you're stopping and let's say like a traditional traveler, you want to use the restroom, we had to go bum a hotel uh, lobby restroom uh, because that's the only thing that's available because Sam's Club's not open yet. And so if you want a snack, you're walking half a mile down the road to uh, the gas station. 
Um, and during the day, sure, it's fine. But what, what happens to people that need to refuel at midnight and the people that need to refuel at 7 a.m.? Because uh, Sam's open at like 11 or something. Um, and so the practicality of having stations that offer amenities, I mean, that's one of the things that you're seeing with the the Nevi releases across nationwide is that they're really incentivizing those that offer amenities um, to the consumer uh, because the current n- network isn't really catered to the driver when it comes to those things, which is frustrating as an EV driver myself. You know, I, I, the last thing I want to do is be on a road trip and stop somewhere and have to walk 200 yards across a, a you know, a rainy Walmart parking lot to go into a Walmart to use the bathroom. You know, it's, it makes sense to offer amenities like a gas station that, you know, you're covered, you're not going to be out in the elements. Um, and that seems like what the incentive, the incentives that are going out will provide, but similar to what you're seeing there, I mean, putting it amidst several restaurants and things just means that when a driver stops, and they have to charge for 20, 30 minutes at a fast charger. They actually have something to eat, something to do, grab a coffee. I mean, that's huge. Um, so definitely yeah. something that is is a huge win for EV drivers. Yeah, this group is called ChargeNet. And the thing that I, I thought was most unique is they have this app where um, whatever partner they're they're working with can incentivize you to then go inside. You know, uh, in this case of Taco Bell, you might have coupons or deals or loyalty or different things that – that will partner with them. Um, How do you discount a $1 burrito? That's my question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right, right. They might have, yeah, I don't don't know. uh, I didn't, we're just kind of working on the app integration, the starting, the stopping, all that stuff of the charging. So that's what we were testing out. Um, I haven't seen kind of some of the, the coupons or deals or, or how that would work or the, or the membership deal. But conceptually, I thought it was an interesting, interesting business model. Um, they have the canopy, the solar canopy that produces power, which I thought was interesting. Um, it did no, seem like it was a little bit leaky, though. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. And so I was, uh, I was like, wow, that was. It was funny because the biggest uh, feedback definitely right off the bat, wow, that's a leaky canopy. And you know, for me, it just, it's just, it's perspective. For me, I'm like, wow, I don't ever see canopies. So I was like, oh, excited. It's better than being all the way out in the rain for sure. <laughs> yeah, and being a bald headed white guy, like uh, my first thought was the sun, and I'm like. Like, oh, this is great. And then funny enough, like as we're testing, it just starts raining. And I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, there's definitely leaky points to this. You know, it wasn't sealed. There wasn't. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'd love to talk to them more. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll get some more opportunity with ChargeNet to, to test something else in the future and see. I, I don't know the details or what they're willing to share, but, um, you know, is that a, to the cost of making a solid canopy? I don't know. I had another guy reach out on LinkedIn um, who does solid canopy covers and stuff and uh maybe we get him on the show one day and you guys and i'd love to get uh brandon flash uh, who did stuff with circle k and now has moved on to other things and man, we just have a whole dc fast charging conversation because i you know you got tesla coming out with their adapters i'm really curious the just the strategy um the way the funding works this place for example uh, only had 75 kilowatt chargers in place and i know they're expandable but that doesn't even qualify for Nevi. So they didn't fund it that way. Maybe they're, I know they've got other locations that do have the 150s and yours are going to have the 150s. I mean, or that, bigger. We, or we bigger. may be going to the 400s. We we're talking. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, the, the, the issue that we deal with, and this is just on a, on a larger note in regards to the generalized health and Jesse and I were actually talking about this the other day, but uh, you're, you've seen that there's, 
a SAG in the companies that rely on EV charging station sales solely, um, which a company like Tritium, you know, is struggling when it comes to the financials. One, because it's the beginning curve of the EV, you know, manufacturing, you know, boom when it comes to those things. But two, um, you know, the, the most successful people in this industry right now are those that have EV infrastructure as an addendum onto their portfolio. Um, so like Lincoln Welders, who's done welders for years and years and years and years, came out with a charging station. Well, if they don't sell charging stations, their business is going to go belly up. They just have that as an add-on with the technology that they've built. Um, SK Signet's another provider that we've you know looked at, and they uh, have all sorts of additional infrastructure outside of just charging stations. But Tritium is based out of Australia. And the reason we chose them, uh, one, we got to tour the facility. It's very impressive out of uh, Lebanon, Tennessee. Um, but the issue that they deal with is, I mean, they only deal with charging station. I think they did a large investment. They were, you know, featured at the White House and uh, Biden spotlighted them. And um, but I mean, they they did a large investment in Tennessee to bring infrastructure into the United States, I believe, specifically for this NEVI release. And so they made a Buy America compliant unit. But what we found was in, in pricing, I think that they have a slow unit. I mean, the minimum federal requirements 150, but a lot of these companies, even like the uh, Circle K type networks and things through, um, what's the network, uh, Pilot, through EVgo and things like that. I mean, they have, they're getting 180s. And so they're, they're not 150s, but they're faster. Uh, so the points get allotted better towards the 180s. And, you know, the, the cost is actually better for the 180s uh, than with the tritium units that we were seeing. And so it just it, it's made it to where it's kind of a, an issue when it comes to generalized health of their, in, my, in our opinions, their um, their business structure. Um, but, you know, the 150 units are made very well. I mean, you got to use a very similar system. I think it's the smaller based on the photos. I believe it's just this. When I went back and looked at it, when I called you, I thought it was the 150s. But looking back, I think that is actually just their 75 PKM unit, um, which doesn't have to meet the Buy America compliance. So for cost, it's less. Um, but, you know, that's something that with with their infrastructure, that I think that's why their, their sole reliant income is based on charging sales. And they've won Hawaii. Uh, they won several stations in Hawaii, but they've not done any other uh, NEVI-based awards. And so that's that's an interesting kind of paradigm to be in when it comes to if you're only making money off of charging sales and charging sales aren't happening when it comes to the the Nevi release, then you're kind of one one bucket of funds that you're missing out on, and that that really I think does affect affect things overall. But the big indicator of that is their stock value was around a billion dollars a year ago, and now it's worth what was it, Jesse, th uh, thirty million. Wow. Something yeah. like that. I mean, it, it's gone down like 90 plus percent, uh, which a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's in the 40s. Um, and again, that ain't the value of the company. There's a lot of yeah. other things that goes into that. I'm talking about stock show. valuation strictly. Yeah. That's not their and, company And, and they're not the only but... one that is uh, suffering either. I mean, when you look at ChargePoint, they've went through a CEO now. Uh, they've got rid of a lot of the board members as a result of the same situation where I believe that the diversification has not been there. Um, and then things like what you're talking about with this ChargeNet group, I mean, I'm looking on their website, 
man, I, I really like their design and their business model is completely different than our business model. But yet Different when approach, you add right? them both, you know, it's going to be great because they're not spending that high money to get that 350 kbw delivered to the vehicle you can do these smaller stations but you're going to have about the same money coming in so you strategically place those systems to where if somebody's going to stop in that shopping center to say go into best buy or whatever for 30 minutes or whatever it is i'm going to i'm going to charge up i'm going to go do that so they're going to have my business regardless because of that and though you, you're only looking, what, 650, 700, or 70 volt, that's still not enough to really have to have a lot of um, ex a, a specialized electrical equipment going to the site. So you're still under a good budget there. I would say you could probably get, what, Josh, everything out for around 100000 for one of those? Um, everything said and done. So, Yeah. Um, and the, and the electrical infrastructure for those type of units are going to be a lot less than the higher powered units, which do 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 play a factor, but... Tying into the point that I was making, I mean, Tritium was down. I think their stock value was, uh, like I said, up towards a billion, and they went down to something like thirty billion. But I mean, even Charge Point, which is one of the largest United States-based providers, their stock in February of last year was at twelve per share, and now it last about last check on January second, which is today, is two dollars and twenty cents. So I mean, that's also down. They're also different, though, and just in terms of the way they approach it. So, like, uh, ChargePoint, a lot of those ChargePoint locations are independently owned and operated, almost like a franchise yep. model, you mm -hmm. know, where, whereas, um, you know, Electrify America is different, you know, EVGO is different. The the Flying J that I've seen out there with pull-through chargers and a big canopy looks really cool. Um, ChargePoint, I've seen it, like, the, the airports. Um, I've seen them at hospitals a lot. Um, and... And they also do home units, so they're they're really that's a totally you know one approach to it. And then, uh, you know, with with ChargeNet, the the app integration is cool. And I got to feel I don't know I I would I would love to talk to them more about their kind of their vision for it. But it felt more like this is what locals use. This is what people in town are using because um, if I'm on the highway and I need to pull off and charge, I, I'm seeking out a 350. I'm seeking a 350 because I know that a 150 is not going to give me 150. Yeah. Like I, you know, I'm thinking out the 350 because that's going to give me the 170 and keep my charge curve in the hundreds all the way to 80%. I need the 350. So at a 75, I'm probably not seeking that out. And, and there is an EVgo and a Electrify America closer to the highway than this one is. This one's very much, um, you know, supporting, you know, a business area and a residential area and a shopping center. Um, and it's really close to a mall. There's a really big mall just right across the street from it as well. So and I think that, that ties into the point that I was talking to you on the phone with. There's different use cases for the yeah. the highway traveler. They may care about that. But, you know, the, the use case of having a business model for people that are going to stop somewhere for 30, 45 minutes is where those less than 100 kW units make a lot more sense. Because it's a top off rather than, you know, I, I expect to get refueled at this location um, because, a 50 kilowatt, 75 kilowatt delivered charge is never going to be the future of the industry if that's the, the primary source. If I'm on a road trip and I'm stopping somewhere to get 75, it's going to take almost two hours to charge my truck. That's not not practical. I mean, like you're saying, on a on a, a road trip, road trip, when you're driving uh, long distance, you're going to want those 350 units. But if you're going to the, the mall to grab, um, a you know, 
change of clothes or whatever, then, I mean, all of a sudden you can plug up while you're there and, you know, 75 kilowatts in the one hour it takes you to go shop. Oh, now you're getting 50% battery life while you were just doing what you were going to do in your regular life. And yeah, so that's when the, the high level two, low level three, how they classify it networks really make a lot of sense there. To, to your point, you know, I, so I, we tested, they have six of them. And so I started at one and kind of tested, he plugged in, made it initiate the charge, um, you know, remotely stopped at all these types of different things in the test started at around 40% battery uh, state of charge. And then as I got to the end of it, they let me just keep it plugged in and kind of charge the rest of the way. And then I, I literally went into the Taco Bell, grabbed some dinner. And by the time I ordered it, ate it, uh, you know, caught up on, on so, some social media posts and read my email, I came out and the truck was it literally as I walked out the door had just stopped at 90%. Um, <clears throat> and that's normally you would only go to 80%, but I, I let it go to 90 and yeah, it was ready to go. And so in the amount of time that you'd be, um, you know, at the Taco Bell or the, the little Caesars or the Starbucks or the Chinese restaurant for dinner and you pop out and you almost don't want it to be, um, at a, at a high state of charge where it's done in 20 minutes because yeah. then you're getting idle fees and you're in somebody's way. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a sweet spot depending on where it's going. Uh, really interesting stuff. Um, uh, also, I know you would maybe be able to give some insight into this when you're connected, whatever your peak draw is, don't you get certain penalties or, or certain amount of money you have to pay on top for the grid if you're pulling above a certain amount? That might uh, be the case on your grid. I mean, on our side, not no, um, not when in our region, but that's yeah, I mean, that's that's all subject to change because these power providers can do whatever they want to do. Well, that kind of hits our uniqueness, too, because we are looking at doing power production at our facilities. And whether it be hydrogen fuel cell, whether it be solar, whether it be battery backup that we can then do the distribution, whether the power goes up or down won't have an effect on what we sell our product for. Uh, what we produce it for is what we're going to sell it for if it's cheaper than what the surrounding options are. Now, we're not going to do that at first. But that is our goal as we look forward. And again, our model is going to be completely different than a lot of people's because of that. What I really like about systems like this is it doesn't qualify for the NEVI on round one through, say, Tennessee's round one NEVI, but it could qualify for, say, round two. So when you're looking at level two options that would be going around these places, here is a 75 kilowatt charger that you know, probably splits off into 35 or 37 and a half and 37 and a half if you're doing two cars at one time, that's going to be a very good option to put downtown cities or to put at your convention centers when you know you're going to have people or your parking and, garages that stay full. And what we've, I mean, what, what I've discussed in the past is, I mean, I think that there's a different use case for every charging style. And the, the, the goal for long-term EV adoption and use is, uh, having the appropriate level charges anywhere you go. I think every hotel in the United States needs to have a level two slow charger, meaning that I can plug in when I get to that hotel at 5 p.m. And then the next morning when I want to take off at 7 a.m. after getting my continental breakfast, I've gotten my full charge uh, and I'm ready to go. And I think every every hotel has a use case for a level two. Now, a situation like a shopping mall where people are going for an hour or two a level, a slow level two that's delivering, let's say, ten kilowatts an hour, that's not really delivering anything meaningful other than what you call a sip 
um, you know, in that regard. But you're that's not gonna where, make any money on that either. And that's where a system similar to what you're seeing there at your Taco Bell may make sense. So I can go and it's a meaningful, I'm intending to be here for two hours. And so the use case of a convention center, of a shopping mall for not, I mean, it's 75, I think, I believe per classifications is a level three. I would consider that a low end level three. Um, I think that the terms need to be changed in the near future. We're like 150 is a base level three, but you know, a 75 logistically is a, is a level three. Um, however, I think that's a very practical use case for shopping malls and things where people intend to be there for two hours, but parking garages for like places of employment, apartment complexes, all of the uh, hotels all deserve level twos. Long-term parking at an airport might want a level two. Short-term parking might want a level, a low level, level three. So, I mean, I think everywhere that you go, there's a different use case, but all the highway corridors and like your traditional gas stations along the interstates, I believe, should have your 350, 400 high, high-powered units because the objective on road trips is not to stop for two hours. Um, you know, in the road trips I've taken, 15 to 20 minutes would be excellent. It's usually 30, 45. But, you know, getting those stops under 30 minutes is the objective. But then filling out everywhere else you go with a slow charger makes perfect sense. I went yeah. to Disney with my truck last year and I the park had a slow charger. Well, I plugged up. And you get an idle fee if it overcharges. So I don't want a 75 if I'm in the park for 12 hours. But it sipped the power, and then I didn't have a fee because I was basically sipping it while I was at that charger. And so every location will have a different use case. But shopping malls um, and things like that, like this uh, system you tested out, would make a perfect sense, in my opinion, for a 75. Yeah, well, they're, um, at the 49er games, we have a Santa Clara parking garage that has a bunch of, you know, level two style EV chargers there. The 49ers at their gate C entrance have some uh, level twos. <clears throat> and then oddly, um, I park in a parking garage that's connected to uh, the Hilton um, right there across from the stadium. And they used to have level twos and they used to have a big uh, DC uh, EV go charger. Um, and they removed them. I was, I emailed them and I was like, well, I just thought that was such a backwards thing to do. And, um, I don't know why they removed them. Uh, I used to love plugging in and going into the game and coming out with a, with a relatively full charge for my drive home. And, um, yeah, now I don't have that. And I'm like, you know, I don't have access to the parking garage that has them, um, with my parking pass. So the one that I had the parking pass for, they literally just a few weeks ago, I walked, uh, they still have this, the, the chargers there. And they've pulled all of them, so it's it's interesting these kind of adjustments that that people are are making. You know, whether it's the charging or manufacturing and production, and people trying to find that equilibrium, right? Of of where's the right spot? Am I ramping up too fast? Am, do I need to pull back? Is it making money? Is it not making money? But this was the kind of a lower level side area of the parking garage. It didn't seem like it was anybody's way, and I was uh, I was shocked that they they pulled the chargers out of there. So. Um, you know, got on the the website and gave them feedback, but they're not gonna they're not gonna listen to me and put them back in. But I did leave it there, and that kind of ties into the last point about your charging experience. Was you know the the fact that several of the heads were damaged. I mean, it's it could be one of those things we've seen Two of them, yeah. happened a lot where there's vandalism and things like that associated. Um, and that's something that you know, obviously, 
how to maintain security of those stations. I mean, obviously you can use camera systems and things to, to keep those things safe, but you know, I've seen witnessing. several. You're like, Oh yeah, yeah. great. Now, I, now I, now I get to see the person that just, yeah. I get that with like my, my porch pirates, right. When, uh, when I have my camera and I'm like, someone stole, uh, my kids coloring books and bed sheets. Who does this? Who are these awful people? Um, yeah. and you know, I, uh, I, I, I can now witness it, and it almost made it more painful. I was like, "Oh man, I want to get this. I want to get this guy's face. I'm going to blow up a big sign. I'll put it in front of my house. Do you know this guy? Like, who steals?" Yeah. Um, it was funny because I posted on on next door. Somebody stole my wife's cane. My wife uh, had mobility needs and was needed a new hip hip surgery and ordered a cane. Someone stole the cane. I'm like, "Who steals a cane?" And it was funny because <laughs> I I posted the picture off my camera on next door and. Um, and a couple days later, the cane reappeared on the porch. Um, so uh, anyway, off topic tangent, it made me think about that with the cameras, you know? Yeah. yeah and so, I mean, you got to be careful coming on people's property around here trying to steal stuff. They don't really care too much East about Tennessee, it. <laughs> East Tennessee is a little different than the California. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Dude, this, but, guy, uh, easier this guy, to dig a hole. he walks up. Not only does he steal the package, we have this porch. This like it's not really a porch. We don't have porches, but it's like a front yard swing in front of our. Uh, we have a peach tree and a front yard kind of like you know seat that can swing a little bit. And uh, the guy literally eats, steals the cane, eats our peaches, sits on the swing, and then leaves. I mean, who? Who does this, right? I mean, it's uh, that's blatant. That's blatant. That's blatant robbery, right there. There's right. they coming at you and just mocking you while the while right. they're at it. Oh my god, the crazy world we live in, guys. There was a, there was a, this is the tangent that we're on, but there was a video of somebody that went into somebody's garage and stole a package, but there was a dog there, and they sat there and pet the dog for a second on camera, and then took off, and then they eventually got arrested and all that, but, like, the, the person stopped to be kind to the dog, stole the package, and left. Uh, oh. But, yeah. Gotta love it. But, yes. uh, but yeah, so, I mean, obviously, charging stations are, are coming. I think that there's a use case for, you know, all different types and, and sorts, and, you know, the every station provider, I was curious the efficiency. I've only ever gotten to use this, a, a tritium charging station one time, and it was at their uh, facility when we toured it and it was reliable. I mean, it delivered what was promised, but it wasn't high power. So I, I don't know how they yeah. perform on high power, but I guess that's when we could determine. Um, what I was, what I was using was giving me just over 68 on a 75. So, I mean, it's certainly in the ballpark. Yeah. I mean, and, it's not, that's not horrible. To, I mean, if it promises delivery, you're getting close to that peak, then that's, that's a, a solid thing for, for that use case. Yep. The company name that you were talking about is ChargeNet. And if you want to find their app, it's actually ChargeNet Stations. Yeah. For those that are looking for it, they're a little green. It's on a white heading. Uh, if you're in, in and around the San Fran it, area. <laughs> yeah, it's Definitely just in the cool Bay Area. Block it. I'm sure they'll be expanding it you know, at some point, probably to Southern California as well. But I know right now there's just the two active and a third coming to the Marin County area. Yeah. Hopefully we can get them on 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 the the podcast at some point and talk about their infrastructure too. So yeah, but yeah, so I mean that's that's kind of some interesting uh, takes on the the actual charging infrastructure as it as it comes. And I mean, uh, we will actually find out hopefully this week in regards to our infrastructure in, in Tennessee. So there 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 could be next week an announcement on the podcast in regards to those developments. Um, yeah, but something that we're working on. So, anyways. Anything else we should talk about today? 
Yeah, I, th I think the last topic was just that kind of idea. I was at the at our local Ford dealer um, last week, talking about them installing their, um, you know, their their level two chargers. Or I'm sorry, their their level three chargers. Um, and showing them the the what the frunk, of course. Like, hey, you guys got to check this out. And uh, shout and out to episode one. Turn down for what it was called what the frunk. Anyway, what the frunk. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's uh, yeah. I was at the dealer and uh, just talking to him. I was getting the the recall items, uh, the light bar and and tray and all that stuff done, and um, just looking at their their inventory of Mach E's and they had a couple F one fifties and just that conversation of kind of they have that narrative out there of people saying, hey, you know, Ford is cutting cutting production in half or whatever, and I'm like, that's, that's not true it's that's not what happened you know and it's it's kind of a great headline and um i just know looking back at kind of the evolution of the lightning when it was first getting launched you know their initial kind of plans were in the tens of thousands like right we're gonna make tens of thousands of these lightnings we're gonna have a shift out there doing this and then when they realized how many pre-orders were there they they updated the goal to like in that eighty thousand a year mark and as as the momentum and COVID and dealer markups were going crazy, it, it seemed like it would never end, right? And so all these all these different places started, all these different manufacturers had these great plans of we're going to go all electric by 2030 and all these different things. And um, and then Ford literally earlier this year stopped production and kind of re realigned the line to get a three shift 150 thousand truck production possibility going and that was kind of the vision was wow this thing could really take off we could do 150,000 of these and then that turned out to be wildly you know overly optimistic right and so they they pulled back from that they said hey we're not we're not targeting 150 anymore we're targeting 80 well 80 compared was their to the original was the their, double their original target yeah 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 right and so you know if they're anywhere if they just do 75,000 a year that's triple of what they've done either of the last two years right and so um yeah if they actually can hit and produce 75 somewhere in that area thousand lightnings then then they will have year over year 300 percent growth in the lightning and that's gonna someone's gonna say that's that's cutting in half production of the lightning i mean that you know some some guy in a cubicle had an imaginary vision of what it might do and and now because it's going to do triple and not you know six times or whatever that's just funny to me that kind of idea, and then just and you, you, know, and you really don't know until it hits the market right. and you start getting actual orders. And I mean, obviously, they saw a huge demand around the Pro XLT, you know, trims and things. But that's something that they they're able to now make some educated um, guesses. And I think that the EV game is the long play. It's not something that you're going to see a million sales. You know, unlike Tesla, you're not going to see a million sales of uh, Lightning anytime soon. But you set yourself up for success by putting in infrastructure that's going to get you consistency in sales, and then you work on growing it and developing it. And as the charging networks improve and as consumer confidence improves, those sales numbers will improve. Um, but that's something that, I mean, the long play of them actually making that pivot now versus in two years when they have a surplus and they're head scratching over um, inventory and, and, and budget concerns it's a smart business move to keep an eye on your sales and to adjust accordingly. And nobody, when you're coming into the space with a brand new option, like we had discussed in times past, that lightning was the first of its kind. Uh, you had Rivian that had come out with their truck, but like the first full size F-150 
you know, you can be all optimistic and you can think the world of it, but you have no idea what that's really going to do outside of educated assumptions. And so for them to then see huge pre-orders and to increase would make sense. But then to see lesser sales number than the optimistic numbers and to scale back to realistic, really good targeted goals isn't a negative. That just means that they're a smart company and they're following their numbers and you lead with revenue. I mean, you, you sell, sell what you can. They're still their infrastructure investments. They're still working on T3. They're still doing all these other things. Yeah. But, uh, you know, lightning sales, if they're at 75K a year, and that's what they can produce and sell, then great. And well, if they get here, to 100K, way, great. But that, that's here's up the to way I to determine. It. They have made a product that, in my eyes, is better than the other trucks that I've driven. Now, I'm a Ford guy. I've always had F-150s. I've had several F-150s in my life. We've had junk ones that we bought from the auction and used as work trucks, the old square bodies we would get. Uh, that was our truck to go to. Um, I had a relationship with Ford many, many years ago where I would drive, uh, I would race cars and I was a Ford guy. Um, we, our, our family business had F9 or had Ford 9,000, uh, with the Cummins in it for our dump trucks. Dad would always get one, we'd fix it up 77 or higher. We'd get rid of it or use it and then sell it for a profit. So I've always been into Ford and I, you know, that makes it hard for what I say to kind of come over as between the, you know, uh, from a, a non-biased person, but I've had zero problems, major problems, you know, the lot bar in the back, I think everybody's had a problem with, uh, unfortunately I think it's made in Tennessee. So, you know, <laughs> uh, hopefully we'll get that worked on. We went to uh, one of the counties and we met with the, the, the regional leadership. They're like, is that a lightning? They're like, did you know the rear light bar was made in our County? I was like, that's had funny. No, yeah. had no clue. And then about three uh, weeks later, it's like, oh, mine's leaking. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I've had no problems with mine. You know, it it is everything that I thought it would be. It is better in some aspects than what I thought it would be. It's ease and it's drivability. It's it's comfort. It's just a really good truck. And for somebody to come out with that right off the right off the bat with no competition yet. I mean, there is no full size truck that is competing against. And when you start looking at the numbers, you know, I'm going to be excited for my cyber truck to get here. And yes, the beast mode has all these things, but when you compare it to, you know, the F-150 like it is with the standard, you know, our trucks are not that far off from what that one is. And it's took four years to build that. And in some ways ours has better designs than what it does. It's just not as um, flashy and it doesn't have that factor that wow factor in it. So I yep. think they've done a great job and I think it's going to continue to grow and probably be like the F one fifties, all the standard F one fifties. I think the lightning will stay as the dominant truck that you're going to see on the roads. You're going to have Chevy, you're going to have Dodge, you're going to have Teslas, but you're going to see more work trucks that are in everybody's cities. You're going to see more of that truck on the road than you ever will the other ones, probably by double or triple. You saw, Jesse, today you saw a uh, Lightning yep. that was being used by a local, uh, yeah, one of my, our national parks. Well, my national um, park here, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's, it, it's. I think it's going to be the truck everybody goes to. I really do. Yeah, I think, you, you well, one, you can't put a what the frunk in, in a Tesla. You can't power no. it. So, no. Um, or in the Cybertruck anyway. Uh, you got to power it differently. But so right off the bat, uh, the lightning's a better choice for your what what the frunk needs. Um, but you know, when I was at that dealer 
they had a bunch of uh, PG&E uh, hybrid F-150s all lined up. And I asked the general manager, I was like, why aren't those lightnings? He's like, I just can't get enough. Like they would buy every lightning I could get if I could. And those are all lightning pros for local utility company. Like I, I would love, again, I don't know the back end numbers of him. Right. But man, if Ford could ramp up those pros and XLTs, uh, there is a market. They would sell a hundred thousand of those, I bet. <laughs> yeah. If they can get them at the right price point, yeah. right. National yeah. parks, local police departments, utilities, all these places. And there's definitely a value and a, and a fleet, the fleet software and all of the different things they can do on the pro side of Ford. There's a lot of value there. And I think the question is, you know, I just, I would, I will never admit it or never tell someone like me, you know, or anybody publicly, but I bet I'd love to get somebody uh, with a cocktail or two in them and find out like, did they do the math and say, Hey, if I made a hundred thousand of these pros, I, I just, I can't, no matter what the scale is, I can't make the math work. And so, so Barley, like, if you're listening, we're taking you out to cocktails and trying to learn everything yeah. from you. Thank you. Find, find <laughs> out his favorite drink and try to get the inside baseball on it because yeah. You know, I always thought if they could get above 150, if they could get to scale, the cost per item, cost per unit is going to come down to where it makes money. And it just um, make, makes me wonder. of scale and they have to get quantity. I mean, that's what Tesla's done and that's why their vehicles yep. have been able to decrease. But it's something I think Ford will get there. It's just they have to get a baseline established and then start working on improving numbers, getting getting profit margins established and then they're, they're able to edit from there but that's just a, tesla, it's a process thing tesla just released their numbers today it was like an almost five hundred thousand this last quarter 1.8 million evs i think byd was a little bit behind them at 1.6 on the ev side so when and if you look at them there those are the two value drivers right if you're looking at evs byd and tesla are the ones that are getting a lot of value for the dollar of what they're delivering in an EV vehicle. And that's because I would love to have a BYE, uh, the hatchback that has like a 250 mile range. I think you could get that thing for around $18,000 in Europe. Would yeah. love to try that out. Cause that's they're... just extremely cheap. And I'd like to see what they've done to it. Cause it's past their crash regulation. So it's not like it couldn't come here, but for that kind of money and price point for 250 miles would be, you know, great for pushing the, I just honestly think that some of the problem is we just don't have the charging stations yet and they're coming, but they're not yet to really support, you know, the, you, you see Tesla had to build their own and right. we're still waiting. There's been times I've sent Josh pictures when I'm going up back from DC where I'm waiting in line for, you know, 30 minutes waiting for somebody to move out. Um, and, if that's today, imagine when you double or triple those numbers for the same roads. Yeah. So I really do think that the charging network needs to go in place to where you have them every 50 miles or so. And that's coming next year. Next year, by the end of next year, you're probably going to see a good half of the nation is going to have most of those charging stations. And in our, place. our repeated theme that we've had on this podcast is affordability and charging network. I think charging network will lead to quantity of sales, which will help with affordability. Uh, yeah, but that's something that those those two things alone will help drastically drive it. If if there's a ton of charging infrastructure, you can charge quickly, uh, which was the third thing was speed of charging. But uh, if you can charge quickly, there's a ton of charging stations available. Um, and the cost of the vehicle is the same or equivalent to gas powered. And you know all the, the, the tangible savings from it. Then there's a lot better use case practically for the average consumer 
Whereas, you know, a lot of people, everybody I, you know, speak with in, in my day-to-day day to day is like, well, I'll, I'll bring my gas-powered vehicle and tow you to the charging station. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. But when, when, the, when the confidence, consumer confidence improves, you'll see sales numbers kind of rally around that. It's just a, uh, it's chicken and the egg and there, there's a lot going to happen. But three years from now, there'll be a different conversation around charging availability and i think also affordability will begin to become a factor at the three-year mark from now where we're going to see a lot of those prices come into play when it comes to affordability there's be competition because more vehicle people are going to be in so that drives figures down um, but also there will be more options byd type companies may be coming in and i mean it'll, it'll open up the network for a lot more consumers to afford a vehicle BYD scares me, man. Like, I, I think, you know, they're looking at opening up a factory in Mexico. Tesla's looking at Mexico. Um, <clears throat> when those things start to hit the U.S. The US shores, I mean, the U.S. consumer will buy the value. Um, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter where it's made. If, if it's brought in and it's value and it's, you know, the whole Walmart is, is the, you know, the juggernaut of, of bringing in Chinese things, right, that – um and and Amazon, the amount of stuff you see that comes over in containers out here in the West Coast, Oakland, Los Angeles, Long Beach. I mean, container ships filled with stuff coming in from China. So not going to be any different with EVs, man. If if these OEMs don't get on board, I think Ford is the closest of the legacy OEMs to, to be there. And Stellantis is just struggling and GM seems to be struggling. And uh, as, as just as an American consumer, like I, I really hope that we get. Uh, on top of this, because um, I think their hesitancy it, it could could definitely it's gonna hurt. Can, it's yeah. going to cost them. So well, I Stellantis really right now I'm worried about all together. All their vehicles are having a problem. right. Also, um, you know, so that's one. Of course, that's an Italian owned maker now, even though they their brands are here. Uh, but I 100 percent agree with you. Not saying that that electric's going to take over, but today's issues we're having is today's issues. I do charge my truck here at the house and save a lot of money from driving a standard truck. I save a lot of money every day. I, is that going to create more problems? Yes. But that just means there's more opportunities to fix those problems. You know, there is going to be solar panels. that's going to be affordable once that market gets growing. And if China is bringing that stuff in legally through different means and the battery tech, I, I, that's one of the areas that we look at is large scale battery storage. And the cost between what I can get from there per megawatt versus trying to even source it ourselves and even do the construction in the U.S. is so far off times three or four of what we can do it for ourselves that how can you not do that? And that's just on those batteries. You know it's the same price when you're doing car batteries as well. So they're going to have everything. Everything in the industry we've looked at, chargers, about a third of the cost than it is to be made in the United States, solar panels. Yep. About half the cost as it costs, maybe a little, a little bit less than half the cost to make it out of China. So, I mean, that's something that we have to figure out that that piece of it to to become competitive, um, because you know that's that that does pose a viable threat. You know, as far as the future of any industry, you know, when it comes to those things, but through different tariffs and things, obviously they control the inflow, you know, and the and the value coming out of some of those places like. China, but that's that's a, a very viable thing to you know have in 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 concept when it comes to the large OEMs trying to produce vehicles at an affordable rate. And China props up their 
their EV manufacturing in, industry quite a bit, and they they've had incentives. And uh, it was interesting because at the end of this past year, twenty twenty three, a lot of the Chinese um, incentives went away for a period, and they're looking to bring them back here in twenty twenty four. Uh, but you'll notice the price of of batteries and the lithium and all that stuff. The market it it dipped. It's some of the lowest pricing um, year over year. Yeah. You know, comparing end of twenty two to end of twenty three, because a lot of those those uh, Chinese government funds kind of uh, w- went went away, and now the government's talking about bringing them back again. So that market is so fluid, and so that's one of those things where uh, I I just think that. There's a, a holistic ener- energy solution because for my house, end of the year, I, you know, I just did my summary that I posted as well. Uh, eleven kilowatts produced, eleven kilowatts used. I mean, it, it, I was, I think it was sixty-five kilowatts difference um, that I I produced sixty-five kilowatts more than I used between my home electric and my lightning, and so that was in California where the rates are incredibly high. That was forty forty-five hundred dollars in electric savings and two thousand dollars in gas savings. Um, that's it's quite a bit of money, right? And so that's that's my solution as a homeowner in, in a single family home. But now you've got people in apartments and people in high rises, people in big city areas, and that's where you start talking, Josh, like we were talking about, where you need those those level two chargers at 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 hotels, at shopping malls, at um, you know, everywhere that you go at work, at at apartment complexes and and then you've got those ones in between that that are the seventy five kilowatts, and then you've got those on the on the the highway that are the three fifties and four hundreds, and it's going to take this whole so you know you need battery storage, you're going to need solar, you're going to need wind. I, I frankly would love to see a electric go nuclear. Um, we've got one single nuclear plant in the entire state of California, and uh, I know people recoil against nuclear sometimes with the risk of it. You know, Japan had their problems and just had an earthquake and in, in tsunami recently that kind of harkens back to the the risk of of nuclear. But I just think that you know the entire country of France is on nuclear, and and I'm not saying that we can do that, but man, a, a mix of a fossil fuels, it's an, it's an hydrogen. It's an efficient source, and I mean, that's something that, I mean, Tennessee has those, but it takes a while to get those modular reactors set up and things. But, uh, you know, the, the there's there's multiple solutions for generation. I mean, there, you can't be strictly relying on one, as it's been shown when it comes to different clean energies, at least. But, I mean, you know, you can't rely on wind energy, but it's a supplement. You can't rely strictly even on hydroelectric. I mean, our whole network mostly is provided through hydroelectric but it's not enough. Um, and so, I mean, you have to have these supplemental things such as solar, um, such as hydrogen, uh, such as nuclear, um, as a, as a basically holistic, you know, approach to, to, to bringing in, uh, all these different energy sources, but that's something that logistically, you know, there's going to be improvements down that space. Uh, solar panels become more efficient Wind energy will become more efficient. Hydrogen, will become a factor when it comes to energy generation. So all of these variables coming together, you know, the art Tennessee will have, I think, is it Jesse's a two uh, modular reactors coming in 10 years, roughly. You're on mute again. So, I mean, even last week, it looks like the Clinch river project, which is the um, Clinch River Breeder Reactor Project. That's in Rome County. We've been through Rome doing some of our projects. They visited the site for one of the new SMRs that's coming to Tennessee. I believe they'll be doing small modular reactors. Like 10 of them is what was planned 
not too long ago, but this one is a site that's been selected and they're going through the regulations uh, for that. So TVA is definitely uh, jumping on the the front end of this. I know that our, our governor, Governor Lee, did set aside $50 million uh, in this year's budget for uh, companies that are supporting the SMR push. So it's something that I believe people understand that it needs to happen. And the difference, obviously, we'll go into an episode of this later, but with a small modular reactor, the SMRs, it it takes a lot of the Fukushima-style problems and it eliminates them. These, this is basically the same thing that you've had on nuclear warships. It's not as productive, uh, but it's able to even use waste material in order to create its power. So there's a lot of positives about it. And now that power is getting to the cost and to the damage that it is in some areas, it's something that it is a viable tool now to be able to be used. So Tennessee is seems to be one of the places it's really pushing hard. Anderson County, um, uh, that that's up there in Anderson when when we went up that that area. So it's definitely with Hitachi and and uh, I think GE is working with Hitachi on that one. So um, can't wait to see that happen. Like you said, you need more of them. Um, if, if you're going to take away the ones, you at least got to supply something for the back end of it. And that's yeah. the problem. They've not supplied the, let's get off of this, but okay, go to what? Let's, let's do it. I'm, I'm for it. Tell me how. Yeah. yeah it's like, they cut, we, about, they we... cut all of our, they cut all of our in TVA's seven state district. They cut pretty much all the coal out of uh, generation. Cause a lot of energy, uh, even in West Virginia, it still remains such. But, I mean, they've cut in our TVA zone all of the coal out. Uh, but we had last year rolling blackouts because they couldn't supply enough power uh, through the hydro and other initiatives that they have. Um, and so that's where there needs to be additional supplemental energy uh, by whatever it means. Um, and they're, they're, I think they're trying to cut natural gas production, too. But that's where solar and uh, hydrogen and some of these other factors can play a, a role in it until these nuclear things come online in 10 years. That was a big factor for me with getting the lightning was the rolling blackouts and the power safety shutoffs and the things they were doing here in, in California. And and I you have to have a diversified energy plan because you're talking about you know hydro. When we were going through our drought years, there was a period we were perilously close to not having enough water coming down through the Colorado uh, River and through some of the the different streams and things that were going to these these hydro plants, they were going to have to turn off the plants and lose that power because there just wasn't going to be enough water flow. And then we got a couple back-to-back really strong winters that that got us back on track, but it was really close to shutting those off. And, you know, we've got big wind farms here at the Altamont Pass, and there's times where the wind, of course, doesn't blow. And then solar, you get this huge duck curve where if you don't have battery storage, there's parts during the day that we have so much solar power in the state that we literally have to give it away or have people buy it from the state because there's too much over generation and not enough demand. And then you get to that uh, end of the day period where everybody goes home, turns on the air conditioners, the sun is going down. You're you know, buying I, energy from the surrounding states. <laughs> right. It's, it's a very it's a it's a tough balance yeah. so you need. And they, we are using a lot of natural gas plants. That's kind of the big California plants are the natural gas ones. And so just the one nuclear, I think we have one coal still left somewhere. Um, but for the most part, it's natural gas, a whole lot of solar needing to have the battery to, to help that duck curve. Um, and, and, and supply and demand, if we if we've learned anything from covid right and, and inflation and supply and demand. 
we pump all these EV cars out there and all this charging and we don't generate electricity for it, then then pretty soon that delta is going to go away unless you're someone like, you know, that has the solar at home and the stuff like that, where I'm I'm inflation protected, which was one of the big parts of, of that investment for me. Um, you know, the higher the rates go, the better my return on investment is in a, in a strange way. But, you know, for the future, if we don't have a better supply and we keep increasing our demand, it's it's going to it's going to be really tough. You're going to end up with that delta disappearing and suddenly electricity rates, um, not just for vehicles, are going to even out. But then it, everybody's homes and businesses, everything, it trickles. So energy is important. And so I love hearing that they're doing that in Tennessee. And hopefully that's an example for others to follow. Well, and it also yeah. gets to the virtual power plant. You know, that's that's where you're losing that solar in the middle of the day. What if you had you know, a lot of different battery operated devices, gadgets that have uh, biodirectional systems built in to where you can supply it and then release it to where even when they're giving it, they might give it to you. Then when you buy it at the end of the day, it'll be a cheaper buy, you know, so say your truck, they fill it up for free, knowing that they can't put it nowhere. And then that night they'll say, look, we gave it to you. Can we buy it off of you now for cheaper than we're buying it from other states? you know, sure, you can give me something for free and then I'll give you, you'll give me money to buy it off of me later. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to have, you know, forklifts that are battery operated that can go on the grid. You're going to have all these different machines that potentially could be, you know, storage systems for the state's energy level. And all if of they that can figure out, if they can figure out vehicle to grid, I mean, that's, that's a, instead of having to have battery farms, which is just tons of extra battery storage, you know, I, I don't know. Let me, I can Google it right now, but whatever the California uh, EV vehicle count is, um, if you think about the number of, you're saying there's 903, reg, 903,000 registered vehicles, I believe, that are EVs in, in the state. So if you took a million vehicles at 100 kilowatts average, which is high, but I mean, that's that's a ton of storage. That if you utilize that system and had an incentive, however that looked like, with vehicle to grid, then instead of having to have 12 battery farms, you can literally just use the vehicles on the road and uh, be able to you know, have a accessible power in those high demand times. Well, I'd love to see Tesla kind of do what they did for uh, vehicle to grid, vehicle to home, vehicle to X, whatever you want to call it, and do for that what they did with Dax. I mean, they they essentially just kind of cult of personality their way into calling it the North American charging standard and said, I'm going to call it this and this is what it is. And you should all get on board. Ford got on board. A bunch of people followed after that. And suddenly, you know, it's Volkswagen. actually Volkswagen, Volkswagen just recently. Yeah. Yes. And in fact, it is now a legitimately certified standard. And um, it's, you know, a, a year or two after they, they declared it such. So I, I, you know, the wheels of government grind so hard, so slow, so annoyingly slow and big corporate, so annoyingly slow. And Tesla is just like, you know what? We're going to call it this. We're going to do this. And I hope they do the same thing with this vehicle to X stuff, because what they're doing with the Cybertruck is awesome, where you just basically have a gateway. And if you've already got a power wall, you've already got one. But otherwise, they'll sell you a gateway for, you know, twelve hundred bucks. And you plug in, but that's a unique, you know, to their universal wall connector. But that's unique to Tesla right now. I'd love to see them open it up that where I can do that with my lightning. I've got a gateway for my power wall. We have a virtual power plant here in California that 
um, we I get paid about three hundred dollars a year for some of the energy I, I give back during those grid events, and it outproduces for the limited time that it's being used. It outproduces the nuclear power plant we have here when we do that. Just the Tesla Powerwall parts, and the my local utility does have something with the Lightning, where they can they can use the Lightning battery for that, but. Then I'm using that home integration system. I have to have the home integration system, and it it doesn't incorporate in with my solar. It doesn't incorporate and work play well with my power wall. And I've got to pay ten to thirteen thousand dollars to have it installed, and that's just a deal breaker for me. And they they give me like a four thousand dollar incentive to help pay for some of that, but it just when I looked at it, it made no sense at all. And 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 that is in a nutshell, right? The, almost the EV world where you've got the legacy folks of Sunrun and Ford coming up with a ten to $13,000 solution, and then you've got Tesla coming up with one that's $2,000, right? Uh, a $1,200 gateway and a $600 universal wall charger. And if that doesn't epitomize everything that that is the marketplace, right? The OEMs have got to get on board with this type of elegant, simple solution. Um, and of course, the first one they put out is a $10,000 one. First one Tesla puts out is a $2,000 one. I mean, that in a microcosm is the story. And there there the needs to be a lot they of pay for it too. They pay for it, yeah. have it installed. So, and and yeah. there, there, there's a, I mean, there's going to be a lot of developments down that space. That I mean, I think we we conceptualize these things, and they're going to happen. But it's like you said, it's a slow moving wheel. But the the handshakes between power companies and vehicles and solar and all of these things are so new that we got to we got to figure out the most efficient way to to have those communications take place because. It's a it's a huge opportunity to benefit not only ourselves but you know the community that we live in, um, and you know supply strength to the grid as in general. Uh, but it's just a matter of getting all those those pieces in play to to make it make sense. But that's something that we can obviously you know continue to have uh, dialogues on and, and and more definitely more to come on that. So standardization is important for this stuff. Yeah. Well, we're running at the hour mark, so we probably should uh, <laughs> call good way it, to call start it the day. year. Yeah, good, good conversation. More, a lot more to come. Excited to see where uh, turned down uh, for what takes us this year. Um, it was a fun uh, first year trying to get it up and and going and having some good conversation, good guests, and a, a lot of exciting things happening this year. Not only uh, for us uh, and what we've been developing, but also for uh, turned down with some of the guests we have coming soon. So. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. It's been a great year. Absolutely. Here's to here's to 2024. Hey, 2024, everybody. See you next week. Yeah.